Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Whether you are joining us here in person or you're listening to this later online, I'm so excited that you guys are here. Today we're starting a brand new series for the month of June called When Pigs Fly. And this month we're going to be, all, we're going to be talking about all the miraculous things that God, has, um, that God does for us and what God does in us. And that I'm praying that at the, by the end of this month that you'll have a stronger faith and belief for the impossible things because God wants to do so much more in your life than sometimes we give him credit for. Um, I'm sure everybody has, has heard this phrase before, right? When, when pigs fly, you've ever heard that before? When, when someone asks um, somebody about something that seems to be impossible or maybe it seems to be highly improbable, their response might be, uh, yeah, when, when pigs fly, and meaning that's, that's not going to happen. There's no way that that is going to happen. So in this series, we're going to be looking at some things that fall into that category, the, the impossible or the highly improbable. Our series verse is found in the book of Deuteronomy. If you guys have your Bibles, you can feel free to open. Um, if not, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen behind me, and it's also on your message notes. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 21 says this, He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. So I want to tell you a story this morning. Um, I, was, uh, I was a freshman in high school, and um, I was on the wrestling team, and so we had just gotten done with our regional tournament. It was the last night, and if you know anything about wrestling, you know that we're, we were some hungry jokers. Like, I, I didn't eat for about usually four to five days out of the week, and then I'd splurge the other two days, to, and it would get me back up to what weight I was supposed to be at. Then I'd cut the weight the rest of the week, and it was just a life cycle that I would not wish on my worst enemies, and it made me very angry. But... So we're done with our regional tournament, um, and that means that we can eat. And so Coach, uh, that night, he was, he was driving us back to the hotel, and, um, and he, we, he, just, he had this great idea. He said, you know what would be really good right now? Some Krispy Kreme donuts. And I mean... I wasn't saved yet, but if I was, I would have fell out in the spirit. You know what I mean? Krispy Kreme donuts coming my way. You guys know, like, Krispy Kreme, when they're, like, nice and hot, you could, you could drink those with a straw. Like, you just slurp them up. You don't even have to eat them. And so I'm really excited for this. And he said, and here's a better deal. He said, if the light's on at the Krispy Kreme, I'm going to buy them for everybody. I'm going to buy enough that everybody can have plenty of the donuts. And so we're driving around town, and we find the Krispy Kreme, and we start pulling in, and we realize that the light's not on. And this is a sad day for us because I was really looking forward to those hot and ready. I'd never had a Krispy Kreme donut in my life, but I'd heard great things. So I was ready for it. And as we're pulling in the parking lot, everybody's just real let down. In the moment that our wheel touched in the parking lot, like an act of God, the Krispy Kreme light lit up 
And I tell you what, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a theater or something, like when something amazing happens. So for me, like when when that Thor's hammer came back and grabbed, by the way, I got a new microphone and the brand is Thor and the model is hammer. Just letting you guys know, I am worthy to wield this thing and I will do it. So anyway, in the movie theater, the hammer came back and I had never heard such an eruption in a theater before. And this is what happened in the van. When the Krispy Kreme light just lit up in perfect timing, it was like it was a miracle straight from God himself. And you had never heard big, burly, wrestling men scream like little girls before until this moment. And it was great. You know, sometimes when something like that happens, we love to say, it's a miracle, right? When something highly unexpected happens, we might attribute it to, to a miracle. And it might very well be a miracle, but many times in life we like to attribute what's called a miracle to something that's not so much a miracle, and we, re, we kind of reduce the magnitude of that event. But I want to make sure this morning that as we kick off this series, we understand what a miracle is and why God performs miracles in our lives. So a miracle is a, is a supernatural act that is performed by God that can't be attributed to any other means. It's very specific that, that a miracle is something that only God could do, that nobody else can take credit for it. It's, it's something that only God can do. And so although uh, for some this might be a stretch, it was not a miracle when you passed the test that you studied for for 24 hours. You know, like you put your blood, sweat, and tears in it. It wasn't necessarily a miracle. You did some work on that on, that on your end. But, but it would probably be a miracle if you passed that, uh, that let's say, the, the NCLEX, if you're a nurse in here or whatever. If you passed that without ever studying or whatever, going to class, that would absolutely be a miracle. But, but you know, miracles can be such a um, divided Topic, right? In, in culture, you see all these movies, you see all these things. Do they actually happen? Or when we read about them, were they just symbolic stories in the Bible? Do miracles still happen today, or did they only happen in the Bible? See, miracles can be this really contentious subject, even, even amongst church people. Honestly, like some, some church people believe that, that miracles are still happening today. Some believe that miracles stopped after the Bible. Some people believe that, that miracles never happened to begin with. But no matter where your belief stands today on it, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to say in advance, I have an agenda today. I have an agenda when I'm talking to you today that I'm hoping that by the end of this month that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to help you move one step closer to believing that miracles still happen and that they can still happen in your life personally, that God wants to do things like this for you. So you know, all throughout the Gospels, the Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in your Bible, in the New Testament, um, the, the story of the life of Jesus, all throughout those, there's, there's over 40 individual miracles, not even including the ones that were mentioned in multiple books, because that will happen too. You'll, you'll have one miracle that's mentioned amongst all four accounts of the life of Jesus that were given by different people. But there are over 40 individual miracles that were written about, that were recorded, that Jesus performed in the gospel. 
And, and, and at least in the book of Acts, the, the book right after um, the book of uh, John, the, it was written by the guy named Luke. And in the book of Acts, there, this is all about the early church, the very first church. Jesus is no longer on the scene, but he's living in his disciples through the Holy Spirit. And even in the book of Acts, there are, there are over 29 individual miracles that happened that took place in the book of Acts. And so it's safe to say that God, the God that, that, Christ, that we as Christians worship, that our God is a God of miracles. That if you're a, if you're a doubter today that God still performs miracles, that's, that's okay. But I would like to offer just a little bit of logic to you right here on the front end. So here's what I want you to think about. If God has performed even one miracle in the last 2,000 years, then we have to recognize that he still performs miracles today. In the last 2,000 years in the Christian religion, we have not had anything that we believe that has happened that would change the trajectory of who God is. So like two, over, a little over 2,000 years ago, we had the death of Jesus, and, and yet if one miracle has happened in the last 2,000 years... We have to believe that miracles are still happening because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. His character doesn't change. What he offers to you and to me does not change. So if we believe that he hasn't changed and the situation hasn't changed, then we have to come to the conclusion that if God performed even one miracle in the past 500, 1,000, 2,000 years, then he is still a God that performs miracles, and miracles still take place today. When we talk about miracle, you'll find this word miracle in your New Testament and, uh, and it's the Greek word because you're, the second half of your Bible, the New Testament, was actually not written in English. I don't know if you guys know that or not. The King James Version was not the original version of the Bible. That it was actually written, um, the, the second half was written in Greek. Greek was the trade language of the day, so it was the most highly spoken in the area. And the, the word miracle in the Greek is the word dunamis. Dunamis. And dunamis meant the power of God, the, the supernatural, it means a supernatural ability. And, and the interesting thing about the word dunamis is actually this is the word that we get, that we, that we get for the explosive that we call dynamite. Dynamite comes from the word dunamis. It means an explosive power. And one of the first miracles that we can, that we can read about in the life of Jesus was when he called his first disciples to follow him. We find it in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left, and they were washing their nets. Stepping into the one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where there is deeper and let, your nets to, let down your nets to catch some fish. 
Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. We fished all through the night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the, the nets down again. I wonder if there's a hint of sarcasm there, though. You know, like if you, if you read about Simon, okay, whatever, if you say so. So we'll go back out and we'll let the nets down again. And this time, they did what Jesus said, and this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they'd caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This is a really interesting story to me. These guys fished all night on their own. And this is what they were trained to do. This is what they apprenticed to do under their fathers. This is what they're trained to do. They were expert fishermen. And they went out and all night, because they would fish through the night then, they fished all through the night and they did not catch a single fish. And then this one guy comes up who, who they probably have an idea to be the, the carpenter, the carpenter's son. His name's Jesus. And he, he said, you know, why don't you go back out and let your nets down again? And, and I'm thinking, dude, I know what I'm doing. Like if you're going to walk, if you walk up to me after this and say, you know what? It'd be so much better if you preached it this way. I'd say, I'm the, I know what I'm doing. You do your job. I'll do my, no, I wouldn't say that to you. I'm just kidding. Send me an email so I can ignore it. Um, I'm just, two jokes back to back, sorry. Um, but, but, but Simon, he's probably a little caught up in himself, like, wait a second, I do this for a living. And, and you're going to tell me, okay, well, whatever, if you say so. And they go out, and they do, thing, they do things the way that Jesus said to do it. And not only does their, their net terror from the amount of fish, the, the amount of fish they caught, started sinking both boats. There was, but it all happened because it wasn't something that, that Peter or James or John could do in their own power. It was in response to the word of Jesus, the word of God, that they reacted to that the miracle happened. And it was only something that God could have caused. So this morning... I really want to talk to you about what are the meaning of miracles? Like, why does God perform miracles in our life in the first place? And so as we look at this story, I think we can really find some some key topics here. Number one, I I want to show you that miracles prove God's faithfulness. Miracles are meant to prove God's faithfulness. So if you ever want to know if God cares for you, just remember the last thing, the last big thing that God did for you. And I, I promise you that if, if you think hard enough, you can think of something, right? Like even, even me, like looking back to when I, wasn't, when, I, when I wasn't a Christian, I can still see moments in my life that I know that God's hand intervened. There were moments that I probably should have been dead, that God had intervened on my behalf. And it was nothing short of a miracle that I'm standing here today. 
There are moments, even if you don't believe, there are moments that you can look to in your life that probably are inexplainable to you. And so I would, I would challenge you to broaden your view today and open up to the possibility that maybe, just maybe, God cared enough that he intervened in your life before you even found him. You know how we can have hope this morning? Because God is a God that, let, that he doesn't let his children down. He is a God that gives us a tangible hope. John chapter 4, there's a, there's a little part in here. There's a story that I want to read to you this morning, starting in verse 46. It says this, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. So Jesus had previously been at a wedding, and he turned some water straight into some wine, and they had a a heck of a time, and, and, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. He said, unless the people, Jesus says, unless the people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And this royal officer said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word, and he departed. And while he was still on the way, he met his servants. Um, excuse me. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he had inquired as to the time that his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the father realized that this was the exact Time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Guys, miracles are a testament to God's faithfulness. In this story, Jesus said it at one o'clock in the afternoon the previous day. And this guy ran the time back and he realized that Jesus had said it, your son will live. And Jesus was faithful in his saying. Jesus was faithful in his statement because it was at the very moment that the words left his mouth was the moment that the boy was healed. Miracles are a testament to God's faithfulness. And just as Jesus said here, Jesus used, uses signs and wonders. He said, he said, you people won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. And just like that here, Jesus used signs and wonders to prove himself to them. And today, he still uses signs and wonders to prove his love and his faithfulness to us. We don't serve a God who has stopped performing miracles. We serve a God who still performs miracles because he still wants to prove his love for us. Miracles prove God's faithfulness. Number two... Number two, miracles affirm our faith. They affirm our faith. One of the most important meanings of a miracle is that it proves, it confirms the gospel, the word of God, the good news that Jesus was sent on the earth for. Miracles confirm that what Jesus said is true. Miracles confirm the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All throughout the, the New Testament, you're going to see everywhere that Jesus or one of the early apostles of the church, they would go around and they would preach. 
But they wouldn't stop there, that their preaching was always accompanied by miracles, by signs, and by wonders. There's a reason for that, because it's never supposed to be just standing up and, and talking from a book that's, that's existed for some thousands of years. That's not what it's about, that there, there should be some power that lives in these words, because this is the written word of God. There's a power that lives in this. In fact, if you were to study how your Bible came to be, you would know that as they assembled what, what scrolls were actually present in your Bible today, they would not let a, cha- a chapter in, a scroll in to your Bible if it didn't have confirmed life, life-transforming power that accompanied it. Like It's not just about reading the words, it's about the power being present. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to those who heard it. God also testified to it by what? By signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. What we say, what we preach, what we teach... It can't stop there. That there's, there are, the, the purpose of the miracles and the signs and the wonders is to affirm the faith in what we're teaching. That there should be some life change that happens. Some life transformative power that's taking place whenever this word is spoken. Christ testified. Hebrews chapter 2 shows us that, that Christ testified. means he brought evidence. Jesus brought evidence of the truth of God's kingdom through the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. He said, this is what God says, but let me prove that it's real. Because without the evidence, we could say anything. We've, we've all heard the term so many times in the, in the um, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard case, right? You've heard the term hearsay over and over. I swear I heard it. If I heard it one time, I heard it a thousand times. Hearsay, objection, hearsay. If Jesus didn't provide the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, all that he would be saying would be hearsay. But there's evidence to prove it. There's life change, life transformation that happened in a company with, meant with the, the preaching of God's kingdom that proved and so miracles were meant to affirm our faith, to, to, to establish our faith, to concrete it, to solidify it. And that's a good thing. Because as humans, I know personally, sometimes i got to see before I believe. Like I've got to see, okay, I don't know. I'm, sometimes I doubt people, you know. I, I've got to see that before I believe it. And, and there's this, one of Jesus' apostles was, was the same way. His name was Thomas. And so after the death of Jesus, Jesus hung on a cross. He was murdered. He was killed. And, and then three days later, some of the apostles went to the empty tomb. And they said, hey, Jesus is not here anymore. And so they ran back to tell the rest of the group. And they told Thomas. And, and they said, Jesus is, is alive. He's not in the, in the tomb anymore. And he refused to believe it based on their words. In fact, he said this. He said, I'll believe it if I can touch the scars in his hand and put my hand in the hole in his side. Then I'll believe it. If I can see it with my own two eyes, if I can see him in front of me, I can touch it and feel it, then I'm going to believe. And guess what? Jesus walked in the room right then. I think sometimes Jesus had a flair for the dramatic, you know. He probably could have walked in a little sooner than that. He was gonna, but he was going to wait till Thomas was done talking. I, 
if, it was, if I was Jesus, I would just wait for the, the best moment, like the, the most climactic moment to be the hero, you know, to step in the room. So Jesus steps in the room and then he lets Thomas touch his wounds and he let Thomas put his hand in his side and then he said to Thomas, listen, he didn't, he didn't condemn him for not believing at all. He knew, he knew it was a part of the human condition, but what he said was this. He said, blessed are you, Thomas, for you have seen and now believe. But more blessed are those who haven't seen and still believe. But, but Jesus blessed Thomas's faith, even though it was a faith that he needed to see something, to touch something before he believed. Because Jesus is not scared of your doubts. In fact, the the meaning of a miracle is that he would use miracles in order to affirm the faith, in order to build the faith up in your life so that when you're doubting, you can remember back to the time that Jesus did it. He proved himself faithful to you. Jesus uses miracles today to prove that he is alive and he is still very active in our lives. And number three, finally... Miracles point us to Jesus. Miracles point us to Jesus. You know, throughout the New Testament, miracles aren't only referred to as miracles, they're, they're also referred to as signs. Jesus said it just what we just read that, that there were signs and wonders, miracles, signs and wonders, and these are really kind of synonymous with each other. But throughout the New Testament, we see that miracles are referred to as signs. And what, what do signs do? Signs direct our attention to something. They point us to something. The purpose of a sign is to fix our attention on some other point, to, to fix our attention on something. Miracles are signs that point us to Jesus. They're meant to fix our attention on Jesus. John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31 says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, listen, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Your whole, the whole book of John, the gospel of John that you read there's seven miracles that are mentioned throughout the, the, the whole book and there's so many more that Jesus performed but the writer was very specific in his mission for writing that story here that, that those were written those were recorded because he wanted to make sure that every single one of those miracles would point people back to the truth that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing in him they might have life in his name your miracle has no greater meaning than to, to, to direct your attention to the God who performed it. Your miracle has no greater meaning than to direct your attention to the God who performed it. You can say it like this. The point of the miracle is to point us to Jesus. It's the whole, that's the whole point. And if your attention gets fixed on the miracle rather than the miracle maker, you're always going to miss the point. You're going to miss the point that Jesus performs miracles in our life because he loves you. He performs miracles in your life 
because he wants you to notice him. He wants you to notice that he has always had his eye on you personally and specifically. This meaning of the meaning of these miracles is so much more than just the miracle. We have a tendency sometimes to get fixated on what God can give us rather than, than, than the true meaning to fix our eyes on the one who provides. We fix ourselves on the miracle because that's the tangible, but we forget the hand that reached down to give it. Our miracle, your miracle, whatever you're believing for today, whatever you're hoping for today, whatever you've experienced in your past that can be attributed to a miracle had one purpose, to point your eyes back to Jesus. And if you ever encounter a situation to where a person would pray for you and get healed or, or anything like that, and they start taking some, if, and they start trying to uh, turn your eyes towards them, you, you need to run. Because the point of a miracle is not for any person to be puffed up. It's not for any, um, for any knowledge to consume us. The, the, the purpose of the miracle is to point us back to the Savior every single time to point us back towards Jesus. Guys, and you can rely, just like we sang, on, on the name of Jesus. There's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that, that it's prophetic, it's in the Old Testament, and Jesus right, would, would write this through people that I've exalted my word above my name Meaning as high as the name of Jesus is, he's not got a promise that he can't let be fulfilled in your life. If Jesus said he's going to do it, he's faithful. And, in, and, and when he does it, he wants you to fix your eyes back on him. Because a lot of times it's real easy to get our eyes fixed on the situation, fixed on the problem at hand. And Jesus said, I want to do it for you. Not just so that your life can be fixed, but that you can know that I love you. That you can know I have the life-transforming power that you need. The meaning of the miracle is so much more than the miracle. The meaning of the miracle is to direct us to the true source of life found in the Son of God. His name is Jesus. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.